DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So, Steve, the top of the West in the NBA is interesting. You know, you grew up in California. The team of your youth, the Lakers, you went to college at UC Irvine right down the road from the forum, and you could follow them. You coached in Utah. One of the star players that you coached at Fresno, Paul George, is with the Clippers. And now the Jazz play the Clippers with both teams at full strength. And so you have interesting takes on all these clubs. You see the Jazz and the Clippers play. Does this reset what you think about the West? How do you look at these three teams now? You know, uh, right now, you know, if we had to play for a championship, I think it would be either the Jazz or the Clippers, just based upon what's happening. Obviously, Paul and Kawhi missed some games, but uh, I've watched them play their last couple of games. And uh, this is a big, I mean, you could say it's a big game for the Jazz, but I think it's actually a bigger game for the Clippers. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, what's going on. I don't know if you saw any of that Clippers game last night, but Paul must be on some kind of minutes restriction Yeah, because he's, he goes for 36 or 37, and all of a sudden he doesn't play the last three or four minutes when they have a chance to win the game. And I'm thinking, certainly minutes restrictions, you can figure it out where someone could actually be in the game at the end. I, 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 I could not understand that. Maybe there's something I don't get. But uh, this is a big game for the Clippers. I'm not something that they can prove that, you know, together they should be pretty healthy. Um, but the Jazz obviously uh, play well. They play well pretty much whether they're at home or on the road for the most part. And, they you know, they just uh, played each other a little bit ago. So, I don't know. I, I, I think the Clippers have more to prove. and uh, But certainly they have great talent. And, uh, you know, they've got to be better defensively than they've been. They, they just do silly things. So, I know watching the game the other night, or last night, I watched the last part of it. Felt like the Clippers had plenty of opportunities to win, but uh, the Nets prevailed. Yeah, I think that was obvious there. That was a fun game to watch on Friday. It had yeah. a little bit of a uh, a playoff atmosphere, and the Clippers clearly were jacked for that game, knowing that it's a national television game. Their guys have been out, and the Jazz had won 21 out of 22, whatever it was, and so – they're the team that's getting a lot of the attention. So I, I appreciated the playoff intensity. One of the things that was interesting in that game was that Conley comes back after missing six games, right? Jazz go 6-0, and obviously, during that time. And I was looking at Joe Ingles. In half of those games, he scored at least 20 points. He scored 20 points, I think, four times this season. So three of them came when Conley was out. One came when Mitchell was out earlier in the season against the Mavericks. So when he moves in the starting lineup, statistically his production goes up. He's one of these guys that you can't just strictly judge his contribution by a box score. But when Conley comes back the other night, he goes one of four, isn't near the factor. What can Quinn Snyder do? It's just one game, so I don't want to go crazy either. But what can he do to increase Joe's productivity? Because obviously the talent is there. Well, I, I, I think Joe has really played well. And I think, I mean, I think those are converse, private conversations that you have, first of all, with, you know, with Joe. And, and you talk about what his role is, and he can't – I think there's a tendency to defer to, you know, 
leading scorers, guy, you know, yes, systems are set up to get certain guys, certain shots, certain places. And when you come in and fill in for a guy that's been playing significant minutes, you just assume automatically, you know, mentally, emotionally, every which way, hey, these are my minutes and I'm going to get those shots. And, and then when he comes back, you take a more of a secondary role. And I, I think you have to be careful about that because Joe is a guy that really, when he gets it going, he's just so cerebral as he plays, but he can really shoot it. And so I think they have to have that conversation. I think they probably, if they haven't already, you know, just to watch a film like that. So let's see where, how aggressive you really were here. I mean, you, that was a shot you should have taken. You know, what, what's going on here? And so sometimes players do get – and Joe's a seasoned veteran. I mean, he's a guy that knows how to play the game, understands the game. But it is true that – and it's not just with the Jazz. You see it all the time where guys have opportunities. There's just virtually – you just get locked in and know, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm taking this open shot. It's mine. And, uh, and, and you play with a different mindset. So I think it's a bit more about the mindset than it is about his physical attributes, as you mentioned. I mean, he's been playing really well. Uh, but he's got he's to get his looks, take his shots, because when he is shooting well, that team is way different. And I don't think they give a whole lot up when anytime Joe Ingles plays, but he's not as athletic as some guys, and you know he's not going to – there's some guys who have maybe a more difficult time guarding. But when he's on the floor, they're, they're just such a cerebral group, and they just – it's always one more pass. And uh, I – they're all veterans enough to know that, hey, if one more comes to you and you've got your feet squared and ready, you have to shoot the ball. And that you have to, I just say it's a mindset thing that coaches can talk with players and, uh, and players can talk with players. You know, and I mean, I think there's a situation where, I mean, I, I don't know who the leaders are in that locker room. I would think Joe would be one of them. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell certainly has a, is a voice. You know, he, Donovan Mitchell, he, for me, I would probably call Donovan Mitchell and say, hey, talk to your boy here. He's, he's got to take shots. Uh, you know, he can't – he's got to know that we trust him and that we have confidence in him. So I think you work the angle a little bit through coaches, through players, and, and then you move on. But you make, the message is clear that you've, you've got to be involved in this offense for us because there's going to be injuries. There's going to be things happen. And you got to be prepared for all the things, especially this year. Oh, my goodness. Every every week, every game, there's somebody missing for some particular reason, and so uh, the Jazz have been able to stay at the top of this thing because they've got the, they've had the best continuity of guys playing. That yes, Conley missed five or six games, but guys stepped up and filled in, and uh, so <clears throat> that's just part of that culture there. And they just, I agree with you. I think their convers you got to at least have a conversation and talk about those things, and then move on. So every every game, right, the teams bring the, the star power, the celebrity, the names on the jersey, the recent history of the clubs. But if you strip that all away, and coaches like to do that and say, it's just basketball, but the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nets play in L.A. and New York in the biggest markets. And they've got super teams in some form that were a combination of free agency and leverage trades that bring together all-stars and Hall of Famers. And the Jazz are built through the draft, some trades, and I guess one major free agent signing. So it's a different deal. Have you seen enough now, especially recently here with the Nets playing the Clippers and the Jazz playing the Clippers, to say the Jazz are on the same level as these three other teams with their star power and celebrity and all that stuff? 
Are you confident in that in a seven-game series with the Jazz against any of these or all of these clubs? I mean, I think, when I look at the Jazz, and the more you watch them play, the more you realize you know how connected they are as as a team, offensively and defensively. And I, and I think I've said this before. Is I, I think with the Jazz, you do have some great players on that team, but it's more for me. It's it's the sum of the parts are, are greater than individuals and. Every game Donovan Mitchell plays, he gets better. You know, you, you, Conley comes back and he makes contributions. And, and Bogdanovich, you know, I mean, Bogdanovich will, you know, last week he had a couple of games where, you know, he's at 11, he's at 5, and then boom, he's at 23. And, and I'm not, I haven't watched all of these games because sometimes there's circumstances and things that impact this. But I, I do believe that my, my gut, in my gut, it tells me. The Jazz have the capacity and the capability to win a seven-game series. I think there's less margin for error for them than there is maybe for the Lakers' full strength and the Clippers' full strength. I'll be honest with you. I think the Lakers are really vulnerable. Uh, I I think Caruso, who played really good last year, is really struggled. Kuzma, uh, he's very capable but makes me really nervous defensively and just as hot and cold. And uh, and I and Schroeder obviously has been down a little bit. And Anthony, you know, for me, Anthony Davis, when the Lakers were the best in the bubble, Anthony Davis was playing the five. And and I think in that situation, he, you know, you they had to go out, you know, it, it opens the floor because he can shoot it. But when he's inside, and he can do his work, and they can surround him with shooters, I like that version of the Lakers. So uh, you know, right now. The, all three of those teams are awfully good. You know, you can nitpick a lot of things, but I, when I watch that game, the, the Clippers against the Nets, uh, you know, Paul is, is, is has really played well this year, and he, and obviously he's been he's been out. But with Paul and Kawhi uh, playing at that level, then Nicholas Batum didn't play either. I don't think for a couple of games, but I I think the Clippers and the Jazz right now are the two best teams in the West, and uh, I just I just don't trust. I just don't think. LeBron by himself can beat either one of those teams. Uh, but if, if you're talking about seven-game series in the playoffs, Jazz have never been more prepared, but there is still kind of a question mark. There, there was a question mark like, can they beat them in seven games? And can McDonavich play well in four or five games where he's got to have 20? And can Joe Ingles be in a situation where he's scoring 15 to 17 a game coming off the bench or starting, whatever the circumstances are? You know, and occasionally Gobert will disappear, you know, depending on matchups and situations. So, yeah, I, 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 I do have questions whether they can actually finish that right now. And we, I, I need more, we need more games to watch. And, uh, and the thing about it, it we, it's kind of like fool's goal to me. A lot of this with the protocol issues, with uh, no home court advantage, uh, with injuries, it's really hard the first third of the season to get a sense in the field of what you really trust when you watch it play. And uh, I love, I've watched the Jazz enough to know that they are going to be in every game. They're, they're, not, they're just too well coached and too disciplined and, and too talented right now to go places and just get beat unless they, it's, a, you know, it's a back-to-back and, and uh, they're traveling across the country or something. I don't, I don't have that same confidence in the Clippers and the Lakers when they go through those things. So I, I think a little bit of the maturity of the Jazz is, is a significant role in their journey to, 
to get to the NBA Finals. But I still, there's something about the Clippers and the Lakers where they can do things on their own with or without an offense and just jump up and make shots. Brooklyn Nets especially. My goodness. Uh, it, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we really haven't seen them all play together for a period of time. Uh, but, the, but the Nets are really scary offensively. I mean, it, it's, you watch me just go, whoa. And then all of a sudden, when the the fourth and fifth guys come in and start making baskets, uh, I know defense wins championships, but the Nets might be able to put up 150 a night in the series. So we'll have to see. But I'm I'm higher on the Jazz and the Clippers right now than I am the Lakers. Uh, and and even when Anthony Davis comes back, I feel like they can either put him in a role where he can, in fact, play, score inside and score outside and not play two bigs together. Uh, I, I think it's just better when you have four shooters and you have a big that's so versatile like that. So speaking of those next, Steve, that's exactly where I was going. You know, they've been playing well, and Duran has been out. How much sacrifice is going to be required by their three big stars in order to make this thing work? I will tell you this. It's the most impressive basketball I've ever seen James Harden play. And I've watched him score 60 points in games and do crazy things. But he seems to have the, the innate ability to understand where he's at and what's going on. And if KD's not on the floor, certainly he understands that. But he def- he'll defer to KD. And, you know, Kyrie is going to do what Kyrie does. And, and when it's going, it's, it's unstoppable. But I, I think that I, I think the question mark for a lot of people was, how does James Harden come in here and fit? And I think he fits really, really well. Uh, I think he understands his role. Uh, he knows that uh, if there's just two of them on the floor, that he's got full license to go and create. When KD's there, he realizes how important KD is going to be. And you just watch James Harden play on a different team like this where he has opportunities and then he defers and passes. I mean, he looks. That's, I think that's the one thing as a fan. People go, you know, he's just jacking up 40 shots every game. You know, he's got the ball in his hand 80% of the time. But he, I mean, certainly he's going to have the ball in his hands. But he's a different player right now, I think. And uh, and I, they're, they're, they seem to be getting more comfortable. I, is KD coming back soon? I haven't heard. I didn't see any medical reports or anything. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch this team play a composite of ten games together and see what that looks like because we really don't know what the Nets look like. And. Uh, and, and Kyrie's ability to just create shots and make shots, but but that makes me that, that part of Kyrie's game makes me nervous because when that's not going, does he know when to turn it off and defer and look to other guys as well? And uh, if they figure that out, they are going to be really good, and and uh, there'll be less talks about uh, how weak they are defensively, and more talks like, hey, this may be the greatest offensive team that you know this may match the the Warriors type team where everybody could score and. Uh, and do it in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think James Harden has come in and made that transition smooth. He seems to have a good attitude, and uh, they're they're pretty locked in. Well, Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. We'll have a Jazz Laker game in the books by then. Yeah, so. that's that's, that's going to be fun to see. Yep. All right, guys, have a great week. Thanks. All right, thanks, Steve. All right, Jazz and Lakers coming up Wednesday night. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider.
DJ and PK, we get more of you weighing in on the Jazz loss to the Clippers and what, if anything, it means, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The Jazz are becoming that showpiece. The Jazz are becoming the party. Everybody barbecues a bunch of stuff and gets together for the Super Bowl, and it's a lot of fun because it's the show. That's what the Jazz are becoming. It's an event now. It's an event. Must watch TV. They play a style of basketball that not only is winning a lot of games for them right now, but, you know, the old pick-and-roll, boring Jazz teams that won a lot of games, but some people across the country, it's just boring basketball. This is not boring basketball. Yeah. Back to the basket, dribble the clock out, take the yeah. shot. That's not, that is not this team. I mean, cranking 40 to 45 threes a game, that's going to get people's attention really quickly. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The offensive second chance points tonight. Kawhi, mid block right. Ball fakes. Jabs with his right foot, now comes back to his left hand, working inside, Gobert hovering, Kawhi fires and scores. Kawhi Leonard with 18. DJ PK, the Utah Jazz are getting ready to play Charlotte tonight. A lot of you still thinking about that Clipper game Friday night, and we got a question up here on Facebook. The nearly full-strength Clippers beat the Jazz Who's among the I told you so crowd? Just waiting for him to lose a game. The wins prove nothing, PK. Only the losses define you. (laughs) Not true, but yeah. (laughs) Sure, but it depends on your point of view and the argument you want to make. Well, I'm going to listen to NBA radio all day today. I'm going to watch the jump. I'm going to try to consume as much as I can. And the first person who says, aha, see, I am going to go nuts. (laughs) You know, for anyone else, I'd think that's radio shtick. But with you, I'm not ruling it out. (laughs) Tweet out the name of the first ex-player who goes, See? They can't handle the Clippers. I'm telling you, if if Antonio Daniels pops off at all. That that would be too much to hope for. I'm really rooting (laughs) for that. That's what I want. That's what I crave. And have people take it seriously. It's all you, just you can talk. take it. You can take it seriously. Exactly. You got to take it for what it is. Why does one ex-player's opinion matter more than the other? The ex-players don't even agree. No matter who you are, you try to pick games against. You try to pick games. Don't even worry about the spread. Just pick straight up winners. And you know, in football season, people can't get over seventy percent. In basketball, maybe you can do a little better because you know you find the teams that are winning eighty percent of the time. You just pick them every time. <laughs> you just just keep writing down nets. Now it looks like they're going to win nonstop. But even so, you're going to miss some. So what does it matter? Oh, for sure. Who's healthy when you get to the playoffs? But I, I do think there's an inherent bias. and Of course there is. That's the, what I'm saying. The Jazz at. have to yeah. prove more than Brooklyn has to prove. Yes. And some of that's legit, and some of that isn't legit. I mean, the fact is there are more accomplished players on other teams, and so they don't have as much to prove because they've done it before. You know, there's a player who's won a championship. Actually, there's a player who's won at least two championships on the Nets, on the Clippers, and on the Lakers. So obviously those players have less to prove. They've been to the mountaintop. Now, also, 
there's the hype around big market teams, and that's kind of fraudulent because you're either good or you're not, and whether the ball goes in doesn't necessarily have anything to do with, you know, what city and market you play in and how many people live within, you know, 50 miles of the arena. I mean, New York and L.A. teams are going to get more hype. There's more people in New York and L.A. It's 30 miles. That's where TMZ made its living, the 30-mile <laughs> 30 30 mile zone. 30-mile zone. zone. Give it up to TMZ. <laughs> so even though they're well, well beyond the 30-mile zone, that, that proved to be a little limiting after a while. Helped to find them early, but it's limiting after a while. I think that you look at this game, and one of the positive signs for the Jazz as far as I believe, is Morse for the Clippers. He goes 7-11, and scores 17. He's not going to do that very often. He's not that kind of player. And so they barely beat you. Uh, Lou Williams, he's dangerous. Streaky, but dangerous. Mm-hmm. We all agree on that. Yep. And he goes 8-14, scores 19. So they get almost uh, 40 points out of those two dudes. They'll take that every time. I don't know how many times they're going to get that. I would suspect that Lou Williams would be more capable of being more consistent than Morris. So from that perspective, you know, I look at it, and I am totally fine with that defeat. Because also, too, you had Beverly uh, 17, and he's probably not going to do that. Now the flip side is, well, well, Paul George first coming back, you know, he hadn't played for a bit. And he only had 15, and that's somewhat pedestrian, and I, and I agree with that. Uh, but Kawhi Leonard was was very, very good. And so that's what you're going to need, whether it's the Clippers or the Lakers, and I'm not going to worry about the Nets because they're over on the other side of the conference. And if they, I, I very much hope the Jazz get to play the Nets in the playoffs because obviously that means they're in the finals. And that's great news for you and me. And so I like great news for you and me. And so that would be awesome if that came to pass. So no sense worrying about that for now. Uh, it's more the talk is about the Western Conference because you got to get out of there. And it's abundantly clear to me now as these teams are approaching the 30-game mark. So we're just a, you know, a, basically another week or so away from the halfway point of this truncated season. And it's abundantly clear to me that for the Lakers and Clippers to beat the Jazz, their stars have to be really good. And I wonder for the Jazz, do their stars have to be really good in order for them to beat those two teams, or anybody for them? And Phoenix, Phoenix is on a run. I mean, they're, they're, I watched, uh, they had the NBA, for whatever reason, it was free TV on my direct. So I watched two uh, ball games of the Suns the other night because I haven't seen them play that much. And uh, I think it was uh, Saturday, I watched uh, who they, they just destroyed Memphis. So they could potentially be dangerous too in the postseason. We'll see. Uh, but it looks to me like the Jazz can win ball games without their top studs really, really going off. They have enough diversified talent. Maybe I'm off on that, but I sort of see that to the level of that they can be competitive and win with these other two teams and your top guys. It's a requirement that they score a whole bunch of points. Yes, that's true, but your tone when you say it makes it seem like that's a weakness 
And you've watched enough NBA finals and conference finals to know that most of them are won because star players do go off. Okay, I understand that. But what would you what would you rather have? Would you rather have the ultimate stars where they must perform at a high level all seven games or all four? Because you don't have to perform all seven. You just have to perform at all four, right? Or would you rather go into it knowing that, all right, I've got – I don't necessarily need my – to play their absolute best because I got three or four other guys who could step up at a high level. Knowing that, when you say that, DJ, we're going back 30 years, say, but I think the game has changed to the point now with the three-point shot that it could take a player who maybe doesn't have overwhelming skill, but he can make that three. So it's yep. elevated his importance and his impact on the game than it used to be. Can I introduce Duncan Robinson from Miami Heat? Duncan Robinson. I used to guy for years. I thought the guy's name was Robinson Duncan. <laughs> okay. So not to get distracted by one <laughs> random Heat player who's been named after NBA stars. Same thing with Gideon George. I always thought it was George Gideon for BYU all this time. I regret injecting that name into the conversation. <laughs> Thanks for derailing this, Yak. I will strike that from the record. Jim Otto was an offensive lineman, I think, for the Raiders for years. Uh, I thought it was Otto Jim. You did not. (laughs) But after Otto Graham and you being an old-time football fan and your dad telling you all about him. All right. I think that the the original point back there was Gabriel Roman. Stop. Stop. The game has changed. James David? The game. And don't think I wasn't called that by a substitute teacher. And then the whole room laughs like you're laughing right now. It would be Jimmy D. That would have been your name. Jimmy D. (laughs) James D. (laughs) Free association, Yak. Go ahead. Come on. Make your point. To your point that the game has changed. And so for Jazz fans who are saying, I remember the 90s and Jordan was the ultimate star. Now we're going to run into LeBron, the ultimate star. Like that could be it. But the game was changing 20 years ago. And that's why, you know, big shot Bob, Robert Ory, could come in and hit these threes. He wasn't a star on the level of Shaq and Kobe and Lajuan, but the three was becoming more important. And he could hit them. He could hit a lot of them. And he could hit them that, at the biggest that's time one in games. Dude. So that's one guy. And the game's morphed. So now, what if you had three or four big shot bobs? You couldn't bag them because there weren't that many of them. And the Jazz and now do. There are. Right. So and really, big shot Bob is nothing without Kobe Shaq. Right. He's not going to do it by himself. So what it comes down to then is erase the decades of NBA history that are easy to recall and all the stars that are easy to recall and just go to the last five to seven years. And I guess this depends on how you define, well, because who I'm about to bring up, it depends on how you define Steph Curry. Is he a legitimate star on the level of LeBron or is he a guy with an excellent skill set shooting threes off the dribble from all over the court and five to ten feet behind the line, easy, maybe more than that at times, because if you can hit a lot of threes, and he can, and he was surrounded by players who could, and so they won titles. And even if you want to set this two with Durant aside, they won the one before Durant. So that's the closest thing to the Jazz model that ends well. But on the other side, you got LeBron, 
who's got four titles in the last decade and five other appearances in the finals. So do you want to have the, the biggest star and the best player in the game? Well, yeah, you win four titles and you go to the finals five other times. Now the problem is, he's living in Miami, he's living in Cleveland, he's living in L.A., so no one team gets all of that. But if you were one team that could get all of that, absolutely you would want that. You would still take the star over the Warriors model. But if you don't have access to the star, and LeBron's not coming to Salt Lake anymore and he's going to Indiana or Denver or Portland, so then you got to put this model together, and the Jazz have. But that star-driven thing you're talking about, where the one or two best players have got to be on, you got two teams in L.A. and one in New York who are doing it. And Harden leverages his way to New York, and AD then tampering leverages his way to LA, and you got free agents signing with LeBron and Durant, and you got Kawhi who says, I'll sign with you clips if you go get Paul George. That was the most legit trade of them all. So, yeah, if you could do that, you would do that. But the Jazz can't do that because those guys were beating down the doors to get to the two biggest markets in the country. Okay, but how do we know that they need to do that? Because we don't know that they need to do that. That's so, the thing, is that we're, even by you saying that, yep. you're not giving them enough credit. So you really don't believe in them. Are the Warriors a one-off because there's no other Steph Curry? And so you can't replicate it because you can't get a Steph? Or are the Jazz replicating what the Warriors are doing and this can be done? I believe they can. And they can shoot I believe they can. Because remember what we remember. This was a big deal on our show a long time ago. And Mark Jackson said, it's the best shooting backcourt ever. And you're like, man, I hate it when people say it like that. You know, they could be really good and not be that. And guess what? Yeah, right. Well, you and I do. But that's different. You know what I meant when I said it. And, And the truth is, he has now been proven right. They are unbelievable shooting the ball. But then here come the Jazz, who are leading the league in three-point attempts, leading the league in three-point makes, who are uh, fourth in three-point percent. That changes all the time. I'd have to look up and make sure they're fourth That's right fine. now. That's fine. Yeah, but they've been matter. third or fourth, whatever. You're top five. So can they replicate what the Warriors did? Yes. Because their playoff path, they're probably going to have to face at least two, at least one, but probably two, possibly all three of these teams. And those teams to are going to have to face the Jazz. Right. That's the way I look at it. I don't look at we have to face them. They're going to have to face us. That's the way you need to look at it. Tony Finau needs to stand over that putt in the first extra hole and say, this bleeping bleeper is going in. And then it goes in. That's the way you got to look at it, man. You have to look at it like that. And if you have any doubt, it's not going in. And it's the same thing, shooting and putting. Practically the same thing. Well, it's when it about comes to the when it comes, physical and yeah, mental, especially when it comes to free throws, maybe a little less so. Still, some similarities with a three pointer and the flow of a game, but the free throw line is absolutely a putt. It's a rare, <laughs> rare time in sports where there is no defense; it's just you. There Until it is. Until he finds a way to get to that point where this, you know, what is going down. You can have all top five finishes in the world you want. And he'll, I believe he'll find a way, too, speaking of Tony. And for the Jazz, they've got to feel you're playing us as much as we're playing you. Mitchell feels that way. Are you kidding me, man? He feels that way. He's a legitimate superstar. He's a legitimate superstar right now. And, yes, he has a world of physical skill, but it's from the neck up with him. I say this. 
let's give him, say, 10 more years. Maybe he can play more than that because he's only 24. But just go 10. Or whenever, whenever the time is that he's done, he has the opportunity to be the most clutch jazz player of all time because he's got the heart and combined with the skill. Well, jazz fans wouldn't mind seeing that because I think we could get some unity in the community on who the number one tough clutch player is, and everybody immediately thinks of one play and one shot. Well, Stockton, yeah. Right, yeah. It's, it's and, the, and the shot in Houston because sent, he sent had, everyone he into delirium. That, and then you had Malone had his failures yeah. in those situations. So we're well aware they're the two best players, and one... And send 10,000 people to the airport and into delirium. Yeah. Top that Donovan. Oh, <laughs> there's only, there's only one the, way to top it. <laughs> he has the ability to top it. And the thing about it here is he's going to take way more than John ever took. Yes. Partly because of yes. who they I are. Yes, said that. Yeah, right. Well, partly because... Cut of, that up, Yak. Yes. <laughs> partly because of who they are. Good drop. Partly because of who they are and partly because of how the game is played. And those two things make it inevitable. That's what's going to be fascinating about this season. Can a collection of talent overcome uh, a top-heavy level of talent? Multiple times. <laughs> Not just once. <laughs> well, you got to do it four times. Yes, uh, but you may not have to do it in the first two series, depending on who you match up with. Well, yeah, but I, okay, if you, if you have to do it twice, then you got to do it eight times. Yes. Talking about the each Oh, yeah, series, series or games. I see. Yeah, we were miscommunicating there. You're right. Yes, you're going to have to do it uh, at least four and probably eight times and possibly 12. Great. I hope they have to do it 12. <laughs> and I hope they right? do do it 12. The biggest test and the most interesting. And then if you win them. <laughs> oh, yeah, that game Friday night, I was jacked for it. I was disappointed it was on a Friday. They wouldn't have a show the next day. There were a gazillion things to talk about. Uh, yeah, but it, it's sh- still the good thing is that they didn't play since right, then. Right. Right. Well, I think there's one thing, and actually, it comes with the Hornets tonight. I, there is a comparison to make, and I know the teams have wildly different records and wildly different level of talents. But it's about the Jazz and what they can control. And Quinn Snyder's been preaching this, and it'd be really interesting to see what he's telling a team, you know, in a Sunday practice or uh, in a shoot around today. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show, the Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. A woman was in the back country of Alaska and walked to the outhouse, sat down, and suddenly felt a bite on her butt. She screamed, looked down, and guess what was in there? A bear. A bear! In, in, in. That's kind of gross. You were entertaining this notion of traveling the country. But see, it's stories like this why I don't think you'd like it. Like outhouses to begin with. <laughs> I just don't think somebody used to the lifestyle that you're used to would function very well with outhouses and what is in said outhouse. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> if a bear bit me in the butt, that would scare Scare the crap right out of me. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Gordon Hayward will inbound. Gives to Rozier. 34 points today. He'll hold for the final shot. Clock down to four seconds. Rozier crosses over to his left. Around his screen. Fade away three at the buzzer. Got it! Got it! Terry! 
Larry Rozier beats the buzzer, and the Hornets have won on a walk-off three by Terry Rozier. Oh, you got to be kidding me. PK, that is the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450, and you can win fabulous prizes on the big show. And that capped an unbelievable final three minutes for Terry Rozier. 11 points, three threes. Scary Terry. The first three was this difficult step-back corner three, and he made that. The second one, I thought he got fouled on. And that was, but they didn't call it, but it looked like he got knocked down to me. But anyway, then he gets to shoot the two free throws after Draymond has the tee and gets ejected. And then they inbound the ball to him and he wins the game. That was like you're in your driveway and you're seven years old and you just dream stuff up. And yet he actually pulled it off in an NBA game. Sensational. Wow. Man, you had a driveway and you're seven? Yep. Ooh. I actually think I was eight when the hoop went up in the driveway. Whatever. I don't know. Seven, eight, something like that. And no wonder why you're a sharpshooter who played varsity <laughs> basketball. There's something to that, actually. Oh, yeah. Jimmy D out draining threes. <laughs> Jimmy D. <laughs> James D. <laughs> All right, the question of the day, and we've got a response to it. Sit back, take a deep breath, raise your hands above your head in victory, PK. The question of the day is uh, with the Clippers beating the Jazz, and the Clippers getting their stars back, and they beat the Jazz. So how many of you are in the uh, I told you so crowd? And Josh listened to our discussion last segment and just tweeted at us, PK just nailed it. Victory PK, arms above the head. Give me the Rocky pose. Uh, probably have to lower them. They're mostly in that pose. PK just nailed it. The Jazz are the team other teams have to worry about. Yeah. And then he adds, no way the Clippers or Lakers can beat Utah in seven games. I don't believe Sweet. you said that. You may have implied it, but you didn't, didn't say, say that. It. You what? I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't say it or imply it. And I don't think you believe it. There believe is a way. What? There is a way. The Clippers. Oh or no Lakers. way. Okay, your emphasis. On no, no way. way. Okay. Okay. Oh, come okay. On. Come on. There's right. a way. If your emphasis is on no way, then yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. Certainly, they can. Either of those ball clubs, they can win an NBA title. So if you can win the ship, obviously you can beat any team along the way, and I believe that. Uh, but I just think that from the Jazz perspective, it's time that they stop thinking of themselves as somewhat of an underdog of this nice story. We're beyond it's a nice story. We're beyond anything that doesn't include the supreme utmost confidence because in order to win the ship, you have to have that. You have to have the supreme confidence that we can and we will. And until you get that, you're not going to be able to do it, nor will you do it. You have to have that. Even if you haven't done it yet, you still have to believe without without a shadow of a doubt or beyond a shadow of a doubt, whatever that expression is, that you can and will do it. It has to be that way. 
And if you don't do it, then you adjust accordingly. But going into it, you must believe that you look at all these great, all the great ones and the greatness that we've seen and just stick with the NBA. They all, all have that common denominator. I'm the biggest, baddest BA out there. <laughs> and I'm we, getting it we done. We have the best team. We have the best team. Who's going to kind of sheepishly win a title? Nobody. <laughs> you and I have argued about a lot of stuff a lot of times over the history of this show, but we're not going to argue about this at all. If there are two teams that go out there, you can throw the Jazz, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nets, whoever else you want in there. And if one of them flinches for a minute and thinks, I really want to win this. Well, the other team is thinking, we are absolutely going to win this. The team that is thinking we are absolutely going to win this is going to beat the team that says, we want to win this. The, the expectations matter 100%. And I think it's much more likely that out of these four teams, at least two of them, and maybe more, but at least two of them are going to go into this postseason healthy enough and on enough of a roll, they are going to think, we are absolutely doing this. And of course, one of them will have to be wrong. But that doesn't mean they won't go in there thinking that and believing it to their core. And they may end up being wrong. But you're not gonna you're not gonna backdoor it. There's no chance you're gonna go in there. I really hope we get this done and then do it. I once had a premier college player in our community who played in the NBA and I will never reveal his name and nor the situation. And he told me uh, going into the tournament, he said about one of his teammates, the guy tenses up he looks at the opposition in the layup line and he thinks, how are we going to do this? And we can all relate to that if we played any level of high school sports. At I some to, point we got intimidated I, by somebody who was oh, better yeah. than us. Yeah. I would, we'd be taking infield at the high school level and I'd be looking down the right field line to the starting pitcher thinking, there's no way I'm going to hit that guy. <laughs> and sure enough, man, I was beaten yeah. before I even stepped out on the field. Now, you know, uh, to me, I, I didn't turn 17 until December of my senior year. You so were playing up way, a year in, in the was, common I, lingo. I was. I was. Yeah. I was. So when I graduated high school, I weighed 140 pounds. The following Christmas, so I had a semester of college done before I turned 18. The following, at that point, in that Christmas, I weighed 170. I gained 30 pounds from June to December. I had my growth spurt after it was too late. <laughs> and, and so I was mentally beaten. And I think if you're mentally beaten, you're not going to overcome. And that's a problem. These guys, they must believe. Now, you look at the Lakers. I think that because they have LeBron, if I'm Kuzma, I'm thinking, hey, we're going to win. Why? Because we have LeBron. <laughs> I may not believe it in myself to the level that I need. I don't know that he does or doesn't. I'm just using him because he was a local player as an example. But he believes, well, we've got LeBron, so we're good to go. And Anthony Davis is, well, I'm really good. Plus, I got LeBron, so I'm going to win it. Sure enough, they win it in their first year together. There's really no reason why the Jazz don't go into any particular game and or series when we get to that point thinking, we're going to win this. We've got, it, depending on who you are, if you're Mike Conley, well, we've got Rudy, we've got Donovan, we've got shooters, including myself. We've got a great guy over here on the sideline directing the show and Coach Snyder. They have to believe that. 
And that gets to the point. And the Clippers would be interesting. It's an interesting situation for me because I wonder what does Paul George really think. And going back to that story that I just said, the guy told me, he played in the NBA, he told me, player X, and I don't want to name his name, doesn't believe. He's intimidated by the guys, and he doesn't believe in his heart that we can do it, and it frustrates me. And this player that I was speaking of, he believed it to the point where he played in the highest level. And I think you have to have that. And that guy was a big-time baller, obviously, if you play in the NBA and from the college perspective, you're a big-time baller. Usually that's the way it works. And so he believed it, but he felt like some of his teammates, particularly the one guy, didn't believe it, and it bothered him. The Jazz shouldn't be in that spot. They should believe, absolutely, we can get this done. You know, I think uh, when you mention the college and that attitude, the guy I always think of is Mike Doliak. Because back in the era when players still came into studios and did Sunday night shows, he came in to do a talk in sports, and it was his senior year, and they'd gone to the Elite Eight with Van Horn, and Van Horn had gone off to the NBA, and he was talking in the lead-up, and this is before they get to the conference tournament, let alone the NCAAs, about the goals of the Final Four, and he, because the goal is always to go one step further than you went the year before. You always have to be improving. You have to do better, and that they had the team to do it. And I can remember looking and thinking, it's awesome that you have that confidence, but you just lost Keith Van Horn. And maybe you'll get a better draw and you won't get Kentucky, but still, holy cow. But he 100% believed that. There was no BS. Now, I may have thought he was misguided, but he was telling me the truth. He thought they were going to do that, and then sure enough, they pulled it off. And they would have never done it if he hadn't believed it and had the rest of the team believe in it because he was a team leader. Too bad he didn't say they were going to win the ship. (laughs) I know, I know. Although that isn't what I what I asked. that was off the an off air conversation. I mean, I think he did repeat it later on the air. Uh, but what I remember is him standing. He was so tall, standing in front of those TVs in our old office. And uh, yeah, yeah, Final Four. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety seven five at twelve eighty. The zone. We got more feedback coming up. Uh, one jazz fan saw the Friday game and didn't worry so much about the Friday game. He wondered how it was going to make things evolve going forward. He brings up an interesting point. So Jeff will drive the discussion next. He is definitely going to make jazz fans think. He is definitely going to make them think with his take. We will get to that next. Stay with us.